Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. For Lincoln Kia Hyundai, fabulous new inventory, great product lines. Pre owned inventory. Maybe that's really you prefer. Maybe the budget dictates it. Well, they have a great selection there, and they go over it. It's always your concern with pre-owned inventory. Okay, what's the history of this car? They got it. They take care of it. Fabulous service department, great sales staff, and not only that, but there are great deals to be had right now. Holidays are a great time to buy vehicles. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, the only great offensive play last night for the Bears. The third quarter, Dan Bailey puts it in the air. Cordell Patterson waiting for a big return. Five yards deep out of the end zone, trying to run it out. Down the sideline. Patterson has seven for his career. Looking for eight down the sideline. Throws up the deuces for the touchdown. Exactly what the Bears needed. That was the Bears offense last night in a nutshell. A kickoff return. Tied the game at 13. The Vikings went on to win it 19-13. I was laugh there's one part about this I always laugh about. That's Kirk Cousins' first one on Monday night. Oh, who cares? You're not your own entity. <laughs> Act like Monday night is like, oh, you know, it's their first Monday night football win. And like they keep saying that's the most yards ever gained in a Monday night game. Okay, impress me. It's the most yards gained in an AFC championship game. Okay, now I'm impressed. <laughs> Uh, the one part about Monday Night Football that since ESPN's gotten it, they've acted as if it's its own entity, that it's like something separate and special from everybody else. It's your only game of the week, but I know. Vikings are playing better. They're now 4-5. and five. The Bears offensively are really struggling. Nick Foles' injury, by the way, not as serious as first feared. Uh, I believe the Bears have a bye week. And they'll see what they want to do at quarterback. But the good news is Nick Foles' injury not as severe as first feared. Good news. Drew Brees, punctured lung. Injury is severe as first feared. So it's going to be between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. It's always interesting. You'll always hear somebody make the generalization. And let's get to Jameis Winston. Oh, he can make all the throws. The key is whether he has the ability to make the throws that Sean Payton needs him to make in the situation that they're in. That's what they need. They need him to make the throw when Sean Payton needs him to make a particular throw. Oh, he can make all the throws. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, but if you don't do it when when the time comes, 
That's his problem. That's why he had 30 interceptions last year. He can make all the throws, but sometimes they go to the other team. So, the Steelers are 9-0. and And there are some people that still don't think they're really that good. I mean, there are a lot of Eagles fans out there that just do not think the, they think the Eagles are way better than the Steelers. Way better, Matt. <laughs> and yet you have six fewer wins. So with that, we bring in Neil Kulong. Neil, great to have you with us. It's great to be here as always. I, I never in a thousand years would have thought they'd be 9-0 at any point in this season. I, I, uh, it, it's crazy. It just kind of goes to show what 2020 really is. You know, it, it, It's not at all anything that you would have expected. And it's a reality that uh, you, you are learning to live with at the same time wondering how it even all happened. Well, but there is a fan base out there that just doesn't think they're that good. Not everybody, there's, but there's a small segment of the fan base that just doesn't think they're very good. I'm sure that you've run into them. There, there have been a few that have mentioned it, yeah. It, it's, um, it, I'm trying to, to come up with a name for this. Maybe you can come up with a, the, the appropriate title to, to call this phenomenon that exists. It, it's an offense that I don't want to say is nondescript, but it's not star-heavy. Um, they're scoring more points by a wide margin than any other team in, in Steelers history. Their quarterback is largely, I, I think objectively, uh, not a realistic MVP candidate in comparison to what we've seen with the MVP quarterback be right. over the last couple of years. Um, and it can't run the ball at all, yet it's scoring 30 <laughs> points a game. It's yeah. blowing out multiple teams. Uh, they're winning tight. They're winning with defense. They're winning with offense. They're, they're doing everything that wins games, it just doesn't seem like it wins games. Um, it, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers. It, 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 it's logical, yet it's not somehow. Um, fans are, are tearing themselves apart up and down over it because they don't have uh, exactly what they didn't want with Antonio Brown, with Le'Veon Bell. And when you had the fantasy football Steelers, you had all these big plays, all these highlights and everything, but it wasn't sustainable. When they scored 30 points a game, they, they ran teams out completely with, with highlight plays up and down. The Steelers methodically drive. They throw a lot more than, than their, their predecessors have. They're far worse running the ball than their predecessors have been. Yeah. And they're efficient. Uh, Roethlisberger, for his non-MVP-level accolades, I think, it, in my opinion, that's fair to say, um, he, he is making smarter decisions with the football. He's getting the ball where it needs to go. He's directing things at the line of scrimmage at, at a much more efficient rate than he has in the past. And he, he really is utilizing everybody to be a star each and every game. Now, it, it, it's been typical with the Steelers that, that they've done that. They, it's not often for, for Ben uh, to have completed six passes to you know five different receivers on the, on the game's first two drives. At that point, he kind of sees where the matchups are, and he goes to somebody. But it was usually an Antonio Brown, for obvious reasons. Um, it might have even been Juju for a time in there. It's not just Deontay. It's not just Chase Claypool. It's not just Juju Smith-Schuster. It, it, they're, they're hitting everybody. Um, it, they're, 
the Steelers are good at a lot of different things, and they're not outstanding at any one, I don't think. I, I think that's kind of what turns people off to the idea that this is a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. Uh, their defense gets beat on plays here and there. We've, we've seen that typically uh, against everybody except for teams that are physically incapable of making plays like the, like the Bengals are. But they're, they're not doing as much as I think as people thought they were going to. So the overall picture is of a team that might have, you know, it kind of been on the, the fortunate side of a couple of these games to this point. But it's going to be really hard for them not to go 13-3. and And it, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to, to not be a legitimate contender in the AFC. There's a long way to go, but they've, they've passed every test that they've been given to this point. Interesting. You mentioned this. Is it fantasy football plays a big role in for especially younger people watching today's games? I think that that's a fair statement, right? And I think it, I think it's been a, a huge I, I think it's been a slice of gold for the NFL. It's been a slice of gold for them having NFL red zone because the Steelers don't have what you'd call quote a fantasy team point wise. Is that one of the reasons they're not getting? Maybe one of the reasons they're not quite getting. I don't know, the love that some people get because they don't have, quote, the fantasy players. In, in my opinion, yes. When you don't have the fantasy players, you better have the quarterback that's spreading it around to yeah. a, a huge degree, with, which Roethlisberger really is not doing. I, I, for me, I think he's going to be uh, AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I think he played that well in this game. Um, but he hasn't done that consistently. He's not hitting deep passes at, at the level you think that somebody uh, with those kinds of accolades would. And they're not producing big-time fantasy players every single week. Not to, to add in this again, um, they're, they're not a good running football team. They've got a real problem with that. So you take that out of it completely, and really what you're left with is Ben Roethlisberger, who, who is statistically a top-ten quarterback, averaging 6.8 yards in attempt. And that's the lowest of the 10 that he would be with by a pretty healthy margin. Uh, there are some who are up at 8.5. And he's at 6.8, and that, right. that feels totally realistic for him. Um, he's throwing a bunch of, of touchdown passes. Um, they're, they're largely successful in the red zone. Um, they're efficient. They're on more scoring drives than they've been at any other time. In other words, I think the simplest way to put it is they're succeeding at real football, whereas in the past they were a successful fantasy football team. Um, not to, to minimize what they were doing. I mean, the, you know, the, the greatest obstacle that they had was getting Antonio Brown the ball, making sure Le'Veon wow. Bell got the ball. Uh, those are no-brainers. Those are guys that you utilize well in real football, and they, they do pretty well in fantasy football as well. But without that, um, it, it's a different star every single week. You know, you look at a guy like James Washington, who's, who's had yeah. zero targets in a game before. He might catch five for 80 and a touchdown next week, as far as we know. Uh, Juju is probably the best example of that. He went from zero targets to like 14 in a week. Um, it, they're, they're utilizing everybody, but nobody to a, a real consistent degree. And I, I think it's creating a better product on the field. They're, they're a, a much more efficient offense than what we've seen of them. They're just not a real sexy offense. And I, I think that's the part that people look at it and say, well, you're not the Chiefs. You know, you're not doing it like Baltimore did last year. Like, well, yeah, but 30 points is 30 points. Over nine games, it, it's obvious that you have a very capable offense. Um, they, they've done that over the course of the season to this point, and obviously they're, they're 9-0. and um, they're, they're going to consistently – be competitive, uh, not just because they have a great defense, but because they have a real an offense that's really tough to, to match up with. 
And I, I don't think we expected that going into this year. So people kind of have the idea in their heads that, you know, maybe they're not as good as we thought they – they're not as good as we think they are because they're not supposed to be this good. Where is this coming from? And it's, it's, it's hard to really kind of quantify it. Um, most of the fans are, are screaming to fire the offensive coordinator. <laughs> right. that, that makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Nobody has, has done what uh, Randy Fickner's offense is doing in Pittsburgh right now. No team coached by whoever, quarterbacked by somebody with or without Ben Roethlisberger. No one's done that. And they're, they're good. They're a really tough group to stop, and, and we're seeing that week to week. Let me ask you about a player we have not talked about yet. In fact, we haven't talked about him, I don't think, ever on the show. That's Vince Williams. What do you think of him and what he means to what they're doing defensively? I think Vince Williams, the, the, the most impressive part to his season this year, which is by far and away the best of his career, uh, up until I think like week eight maybe, uh, he had a tackle for loss on the opening drive uh, of every game. They utilize him in such a way that uh, he really is just kind of free to attack. Now, some of that is going to be due to the fact that Devin Bush is, is just a, a fantastic player, yeah. and he's able to cover up a lot, and Williams is able to, to really attack downhill. And that's what he wants to do. You might remember, I mean, way back in the day when he was at Florida State, hey, he was just a, a, a two-gap, hard-headed banger inside. I mean, he, he really didn't have the athleticism that you would have wanted over a three for a, a three-down linebacker. But he attacked the run like nobody's business. He's a tough guy. He's a really, really big linebacker. He plays the game that way, and there, there's a certain level of energy that he brings. You might, this might even be why you're bringing it up, but late in that game, he absolutely tattooed some Bengals player. I'm not sure who it was, but he crushed him, and this game is over. Uh, Williams gets up reacting the same kind of way as, as he would have if he made one of those stops in the opening drive. Uh, that's the level of, of passion that he has for the game, the, the enthusiasm that he brings, and it's contagious. His teammates love him. Um, he, he's a popular guy in the locker room. The team has kept him, I think, a lot longer than anybody thought he was going to be in the NFL, right. largely because of that that intensity. Um, I, I think he is a, a, a good pro. He's been a solid pro for this team. I think it's hard to get rid of him even next year. Um, it, 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 he brings a, the level of toughness, I think, in that front seven, probably more than anybody else. And you're you're seeing him have a career year, which you know is somebody that, that's been following him from day one. It, it's great to see because he he's uh, he's a pros pro kind of player. Yeah. You know, for him to have the success that he has, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, he, he's still passionate. He's still a great social media follow. Uh, he's a fun interview, and it, to see him having the success that he has is just a great thing to watch. And and uh, it, it's in many ways kind of the heart and soul of that front seven. All right. So this week they've got Jacksonville down in Florida. And then, of course, it all sets up for the Thanksgiving night matchup with the Ravens, which could put the division away. Uh, but the Jags, it's look, like they're a different team now, but for whatever reason, they've always you know, played the Steelers well. Has this Steeler team, they've had a tendency over the years, and each team has its own personality, but sometimes to play down to a, a team like this. Has this team shown that tendency, or have they just pretty much gone about their business? In my opinion, um, it, the easy thing to say is that they're 9-0, so obviously they haven't played down to anybody. Um, a couple of those games, they've, they've really kind of made it interesting down the stretch. Sure. Um, Dallas being one, of course. Yeah, it, it, Mike, Mike Tomlin addressed this today as well. It, it, this is not the Big Ten versus the MAC. This is the NFL. You, you don't really play down to anybody because the, the teams that are quote-unquote down 
go out and nearly beat the Packers last week like Jacksonville did. Jacksonville right. shouldn't have been competitive in that game. They they came close. In a lot of ways, they should have won that game. Yeah. Uh, just like Dallas probably should have beaten Pittsburgh. You know, It wouldn't have taken much for them to be able to close that game off. The good teams win close games, in my opinion. They, they have the ability to win games late. They can come back uh, if, if the opponent can't shut the door. They can stay competitive against anybody that they play. Um, the level of competition that they're going against is not easily identified by their record, which is to say 9-0 and is not head and shoulders above 1-8 and or whatever Jacksonville is now. It, it, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. Uh, Jacksonville is not a great football team by any stretch of the imagination, and Pittsburgh definitely should be a, a road favorite in that game the way that they are. But right. it, it's not going to be show up, roll off the bus, and go out and beat them by 35. It, it's going to be a, a, a competitive game to some degree. Um, I, I thought Pittsburgh probably took care of Cincinnati a little bit more aggressively than I thought that they would, but I don't think they're going to get that level of competition uh, against a Jags team that, that's starting to put it together. You know, they, they've got a, a there's a mm. lot of uncertainty in the entire franchise there are a lot of guys that were jettisoned they could be and probably should be a lot worse than what we've seen them be to this point i I think pittsburgh wins that game but it's not a play down and lose type of thing you you said it before for whatever reason the steelers can't blow out the jaguars they just can't they never have um they're, they're always competitive and how many years are the jaguars ever good you know one out of five maybe something like that they get competitive games from the jaguars for whatever reason especially down in jacksonville so I, I don't expect it to be a situation where uh, any Steelers player is sitting on 9-0 and saying that we're the greatest thing ever. It, 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 that's not the type of group that they are, and they were born into this. You know, This is the aftermath of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. This is the, the, the locker room cancer Steelers. They, they have to overcome all this with a bunch of young players, which is what they still are. They were young last year, and they got beat on quite a bit, and now they, they, they've put together something um, for each other, within each other. They've rebuilt the locker room. They have a new culture there now, and they're, they're still kind of learning how to win. I, I don't think they are, uh, you know, the, the, they aren't a Chiefs type of team yet. They're going to build themselves into that, I think, but they're not at a point that they have the ability to look down on anybody. You know, they're not that good of a team yet. Um, they have the talent, and we've seen that. Mike Tomlin's level of preparation along those lines is going to be very simple. Yeah. You're not as good as, as what people are going to say that you are. There are uh-huh. still a lot of things that we need to do, and that's evident. You watch it back on film. I mean, they, they say it again. They can't run the ball. That's right. a problem this, this late in the season. Uh, they have no reason to let, rest on their laurels for anybody, certainly not with exactly as you put it, a swing that two wins could win them the division. At the same time, though, two losses makes it even. This is nowhere near over, and I don't think it's unreasonable at all to suggest that they could lose on the road to Jacksonville, come back in a short week, and get beat by Baltimore. So they they don't have time to sit and analyze how good Jacksonville really is. They have a lot of work that they need to do. There are a lot of things that they need to do to get better as a team. Um, they're they're going to get to that point, but I, I don't think they're playing their best football yet. And this is going to be a, a, a real test into determining how good they can be uh, this season, these these next two games in, in 11 days. My friend, appreciate it very much. Look forward to uh, next week when it's the Thanksgiving edition of the show. And uh, we'll be looking forward to that very, very much as you get to talk to a turkey. <laughs> Definitely. As always, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Neil Kulong joining us. We'll come back with more in a moment. Uh, we're going to see uh, Bitter Eagles talk coming up. Bitter. I mean, Matt, why don't you talk to this guy? I'll take the half hour off. But I'm sure you've got some bitter questions you're, you you want to ask. I'm curious to what he's going to say. You're bitter. I feel like we're in Apollo 13. <laughs> in that scene where Gene Krantz, played by Ed Harris, looks at everybody and says, let's do this from a, uh, a position of status. What do we have in the spacecraft that's good? And the first person he goes to is Matt who looks up and says, I'll get back to you, Gene. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Subway Motors Company in the North Force Street Auto Plaza Sunbury and at SunburyMotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Back here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia coming up in just a couple of moments here with Steve as we talk Eagles after a tough loss for the Eagles again on Sunday to the New York Giants, 27-17. Lots of issues coming out of the Eagles this week. That report from Mike Silver about Carson Wentz's practice habits, Doug P having too many voices in his head. We'll get all of that with, with Dave, too, and obviously what it went into the loss on Sunday, kind of where the Eagles stand at this point at 3-5-1, and one, going into Sunday's game at the Cleveland Browns, which you can hear on our sister oh, yeah, station, Eagle know. 107. You'll be an, you're an underdog in that game, too. Yeah, yes, they're going to sure be underdog is. pretty much most of the way, at least these next five games. Who did I tell you was going to win last week? You are correct. You are yeah, correct. Come on. come on. Better team. Let's see what Dave says. 
Dave, great to have you with us from NBC Philly. What a pleasure. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing very well. All right. So I will start with the Apollo 13 question. Where Ed Harris playing Gene Krantz looks at everybody and says, let's do this from a question of status. What do we have in the spacecraft that's good? So, Dave, what do we have in the spacecraft that's good right now? Yeah, uh, there's some good. I mean, I, I think there's, um, you know, you don't want to throw away everything, but, they, I mean, they have some good players, but do they have enough? Probably not. I mean, there are some big problems structurally with this team. I, I think there are problems with the coaching staff. I think there are problems really at every level. Um, you know, they have good players, sure. I mean, like, Lane Johnson's a good player. He's a right tackle. He played well. But um, they don't have enough good players. They don't have enough good coaching. Um, they don't have the front office in place. I mean, the, from top to bottom right now, the organization is not in a very good spot. All right. Uh, is this a quite you talk about the coaching part of it. How much does this fall on Howie Roseman? Did they Have they put the right parts in place? It's yeah, I you know whenever a team is bad, we end up in this assign percentage of blame to this person or that person or that person, um, and I don't know the percentages, but I know that he hasn't done a good enough job as a GM. They don't have enough talent, um, but I also know that um, the coaching staff hasn't done a good enough job either. Um, I think that if you look at their team and you kind of say what do they have, and you look at their young players. And there's a problem there. I mean, do they have, you know, you look at some of the teams around the league and you, there's a hope because they have talented young players that need time to develop. The Eagles don't really have a ton of young, talented players, do they? I mean, their best players are older players, and they have a few guys. I mean, there are some exceptions to that. You know, Miles Sanders is a young, very good player. Um, Jalen Rager, we'll see. She's shown some signs. Dallas Goddard, um in his third year, looks like a very good player. But overall, um, their best players are aging, and that's a problem, and that's in the GM. Which then brings us to the second-round pick. I mean, everyone, all of us looked at each other and said, you spent a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts? I mean, I'm not saying he's not an NFL player, but not in the second round. What has been your thoughts on that, quote, pick and experiment? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, you know, if you're looking at Jalen Hurst in a vacuum, maybe he, he's worth a second-round pick. But for this team to draft him in the second round, uh, it kind of opened up a can of worms that I wouldn't have opened. Um, and, and this is all speculatory, but if you're the franchise quarterback of a team and they draft another quarterback, you're you're starting to wonder a little bit. And it makes you wonder how much of a role that's played with Carson this year and and also you know just from a purely game plan uh, manage point this year Jalen Hurston's on the field that much I mean you, you spend a second round pick on a guy who touches the field what five times a game and they haven't really found an innovative way to use him so um, yeah it, it didn't make sense to me then it doesn't make sense to me now unless he becomes the quarterback of the future here, then what was the point of taking him um, as a backup plan, as an emergency option in the second round? That, that's a tough sell for me. 
And uh, yeah, it, it, that pick doesn't make any more sense to me now than it did a few months ago. Well, this is not a knock. The question is not a knock on Jalen Hurts, the person, and it's not a knock on Jalen Hurts, the player. But you feel in the second round, you need an impact player at whatever position it happens to be and not a novelty pick. That's that's the problem. I had. Not the fact that they have him, but where he was picked. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. Uh, my, I just didn't want to make it seem like Jalen Hurts wasn't a second-round pick because I think he would have gone in the second round if the Eagles didn't take him. Uh, but I right. agree with you, too, that you know, the Eagles can't take him there. They, they had too many pressing needs. They had too many other positions where um, they could have drafted a, a young player that would play this year and develop and, and become a cornerstone of the franchise. And instead they drafted a guy that – um, and, and still, there, there was a question asked of the front office immediately after the pick, and it still resonates, is what's the best-case scenario with Jalen Hurts? I mean, the best-case scenario, what is it? Is, is it that he becomes a starting quarterback? Well, then things have gone terribly wrong. And uh, that, that was always my problem with the pick. I never saw the upside. Uh, and if there is yeah. upside, it, it's such a pessimistic way to, to build a team that it never made sense to me. All right, so now let's look at the rest of the group. It seems to me they have struggled at linebacker. A, do you agree with that, Dave? And B, if so, why have they struggled? Yeah, I mean, they, they absolutely have struggled at linebacker, and it's because they don't have talent there. Um, well, that's a, that's bad. <laughs> they just that's, don't. That's not, a, that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, they have... Uh, they haven't put resources there. They they finally drafted a guy in the third round this year, but uh, it's Davion Taylor, who everyone knew was a really raw player and, and wouldn't contribute much this year, and he's not. Um, they haven't spent resources there, and, and they, they kind of decided to, to get by with really going bargain bin at that position, and it hasn't worked. I mean, they've you know, they, they looked at it and said, well, you know, our base defense is no longer really our base defense. We're a nickel so much, we can get by without having linebackers. And it, it's just been right. a bad plan. Um, yeah. It's like an organizational flaw that, that they thought they could get by with having inadequate linebackers. And it, it's just not the case. They uh, You almost feel bad for the players they have in there because they're just not talented enough to be on the field as much as they have been. Yet, uh, Brandon Graham has done some really good things for them this year. What allows him to play at a consistently high level year in and year out? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. Um, It's funny because whenever you say someone's a high-motor player, it's normally like a way to to hide the fact that they might not be that athletically talented, but he, he gives you both. He's um, he's physically really strong, low center of gravity, but he also doesn't take plays off. He doesn't take practices off. He has constant energy from the first snap to the last snap. Um, he, he's a heck of a player, and it, it's pretty amazing that here he is in year 11 having the best season of his career. And it, it, that guy has gone on such a journey in Philadelphia. I mean, when he was drafted, um, he heard it for the first really five to six years of his career that he was the wrong pick. He had the the, the bus label thrown on him. People wanted Earl Thomas. They wanted JPP. Uh, yeah. And eventually this guy works his way up 
to being a starter. Then he, you know, has the big play in the Super Bowl, and now he's on the verge of possibly making his first Pro Bowl. Uh, it's, it's hard to really quantify what he means to that team. He's a big part of it. I remember going into Michigan in 2009, and Penn State ended up winning the game 35-10. to And Jack Ham and I were looking out in the field, and Brandon Graham was playing for Michigan that day. And the two of us agreed. I said, you know, that's the one guy out there Michigan has that's an absolute pro. And he has turned out to be a really good pro. Carson Wentz. Uh, eventually that topic has to come up. In your opinion, where is he right now? He's in a bad spot. He hasn't played well enough. Him and his head coach don't seem to be on the same page, and that's a pretty big problem in year five when, you know, that's kind of the whole franchise, right? In year five, your quarterback, who's an offensive, you know, your quarterback and your offensive head coach, they should be in sync. This should be running really smoothly, and it's been the opposite. Um, Wentz, through the first eight games of the season, turned the football over 16 times, which is just not sustainable. And then in the Giants game last week, he didn't turn the ball over, but he was just completely unimpressive. It was uh, such a a bland game from him. Um, He needs to be able to make plays and not turn the ball over. And that's... (laughs) You know, right now it feels like I have to choose between cautious Carson and Carson who will make some big plays but also turn the ball over, and that's a losing bet, right? I don't want either of those guys. He's the guy who can make plays and be cautious with the football. And at times in his career he's been that guy, and for whatever reason he's been completely lost this year. And it's a big problem. I mean, it's a, it's a question that the organization is really going to have to take a, a long, hard look at because they did, they I mean they've invested so heavily in this guy for him to regress the way he has this year. It's been really confounding to me, and it's it's really troubling for the organization. Rager ended up being with the first first round pick of the team. Does it look like that one was worth it? We'll see. Um, it, 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 it's really tough to evaluate him so far. He's only played four games. He's been injured. And obviously the quarterback play hasn't been very good, and the offense has kind of been out of sync. So it's been tough to evaluate him. On the flip side of that, you know, uh, you see Justin Jefferson, who went with the next pick, and Chase Claypool, who went a little later. I mean, these guys are playing at really high levels. So it's it's easy if you're an Eagles fan right now to sit back and look at it and go, "Uh uh-oh, I hope they didn't mess this up. Um and with Rager, they kind of bucked conventional draft knowledge at the time, right? I think everyone, not everyone, but most people agreed that Justin Jefferson was a part of that top four group of receivers, and Rager was a little lower, and they went with Rager instead. And, you know, with the start Jefferson's been on it, it makes you wonder. Um, with that said, I, I really have liked what I've seen from Rager in limited time, and I'm looking forward to seeing him the rest of the year. Yeah, um, I, he's better than I thought it was going to be because he had drops at TCU. He didn't have a great quarterback at TCU, but you know he's turned out I think so far to be pretty good. But they need more of that. I mean, I feel like what Carson Wentz wants to do with the ball, he has limited professional targets to throw to. That's my opinion. Do you share that or not? Uh, maybe through part of the year. That that was fair, um, but right now, I mean, 
It's, you know, in the last game, he had Dallas Goddard, he had Miles Sanders, he had Jalen Rager, he had Travis Fulgham, who's kind of been a revelation. Um, yeah. He has Greg Ward, who's at least a solid third down option. So yeah. maybe earlier in the season, you could have convinced me of that. But right now, no, I think he has enough weapons to make this work. Dave, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, by the way, just very quickly before one more thing, your thoughts on the matchup with the Browns? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, I think the Eagles actually have a shot, but uh, I don't know if I could pick them to beat anyone right now. Okay. Dave, thanks so much. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. Well, do you feel better after that? I, I figure you would. Um, No, but I can agree with everything he said. I tried to ask all the questions you were thinking. Okay? Now, I couldn't ask them exactly the way you wanted them asked because the F, you know, the FCC says they have to eliminate all the swear words. <laughs> My biggest thing is that Michael Silver report that came out yesterday of Doug's got too many people in his head, which I think is a definitely true, and then Carson's practice habits, and that kind of circles back to what Dave said about him and Doug P not being on the same page. I mean, that is that's really, really embarrassing for a year five for a quarterback and head coach duo considering everything that happened in 2017, even parts of 2016 when Carson Wentz first came onto the scene, started 3-0. and Eagles went 7-9 and that year. Then he has an MVP year in 17. 18 and 19, he's been hurt, but I just... I, I don't get it. It's 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 really puzzling. You could be the first team ever to win the Super Bowl and finish the total season, postseason and regular season, under 500. All right. <laughs> Just what the NFL's begging for. <laughs> There'll be cries for, to end that. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So, as you know, I've been campaigning for the suit to be on the cover of Susquehanna Life magazine. Oh, really? Absolutely. I even have the perfect line for the cover. Oh, no. Do you see what we see? (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect because Christmas is always his favorite holiday. And, in fact, he's wearing a Christmas-themed mask already. So that would be perfect. Do you see what we see? The suit, the suit. (laughs) Stumbling in the night. (laughs) All right. I'm telling you, Erica, I mean, I I can almost write it for you. I'm not going to. Don't ask. (laughs) I don't have that kind of time. I I do not have that kind of time. Uh, But I... Well, we'll give you some quotes. <laughs> Don't you think you look great? You know, as they talk about glossy pages of Susquehanna life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think glossy, he'd be incredible. Especially especially with the, the way they do airbrushing today. What? The HD makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago I was uh we're at Northwestern 
and the analyst for the game on TV was in there putting on makeup in the uh, restroom. Like, okay. So I went back in. I said the Jack I gave the name. I says, in the restroom, putting makeup on. He goes, oh, boy, Steve, with HDTV, there isn't enough makeup left in the world for all of us. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. Jeez. Oh, man. Oh, well. The world of HD, baby. It's what it is. Now, see, you can watch the Eagles in crisp, clear HD. And I do. And you, and you don't seem to be enjoying the experience at all. <laughs> Your lack of appreciation for the HD experience is starting to bother me a little bit. I appreciate bit. that. I just wish, uh, wish you, the you, uh, content was better. You just complain. About, don't you think the Giants played well? They did. I expected it to be a close game. I, I said the Eagles 23-20, and I had an even worse feeling that, you know what, there's a chance the Eagles actually might lose this time. And, of course, they did. Better team won. Should have yeah. won the first time. Should have won the first time. Well, yeah, of course. Did, didn't have enough uh, confidence to win it the first time. Well, now they've won two in a row, and your team is stumbling. About to be picked apart by Baker Mayfield. No, just Baker Mayfield to run for 100 yards. You know, it's interesting about the Steelers, and I brought in, in all serious now, um, that they are not a team. They used to be a team that was so built for fantasy players. Now, Bell gave you great fantasy numbers. Antonio Brown gave great fantasy numbers. I wonder if some some people are not totally on board with the Steelers because they are not a great fantasy team. Yeah, which, you know what I mean? And fantasy means a lot to a lot of people right now. They just enjoy it. I think it's grown it's grown the viewership of the NFL over the years. Let me look at how Red Zone's taken off. I wonder if not being a great fantasy team has fewer people on board the bandwagon. 